Welcome to the Freeman Art Company podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freeman. Today, our guest is Kevin Vigil. Kevin is a Miami-based artist who started his artistic endeavor with graffiti. That took him around the world. Eventually, after working as a tattoo artist, Kevin began painting commissions. Many long hours in the studio later, he now travels internationally to sell his fine art. Kevin's hard work and passion is contagious, so get ready to be motivated. Let's get started. Then you can start asking prices, like, because it really just depends on the band, brand building. It's just, but even even these kind of information, even information for somebody that even that is with 50,000, 100,000 followers, sometimes the mind, the mental capacity of, of an artist is, is weird. You know, they, they, because when I started, once I got into art business, it actually worked against the way my ethical drive of art, like, you know, because I'm part of a commercial industry. So my whole movement is different and it was compromised by by the way how I function because it's corporate. Right. X amount of pieces for X amount of this because you're going to get paid a percentage and it's like, you know, and then you don't get the money up front. And, you know, it, it starts to really there's a big gray area. That's kind of the basis of why I paint the way I paint is in black and white because the world's real black and white, you know, for these businesses and for entrepreneurs and they can dictate how they do business. And nine times out of 10, the alliance that they form with these huge companies or you form with these huge companies, you take these huge losses. Like like you said, the, the, the galleries take 50%. Well, imagine the more of an entrepreneur you become, the, the number, unless you're selling it for yourself, which is close to impossible because you just don't have the platform. So you got to get on these huge platforms where these people, these companies are taking, I mean, an astounding amount of, of percentage you know, and it's crazy, but but it's absolutely crazy. But then when you, you don't see it in other industries, right? And then when when you think about the exposure, I mean, you, you, the exposure is amazing. You know, what you're getting paid is 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 truly amazing. You're literally giving up. You know, could could be you know seventy five percent of your pay, but the the twenty five percent that you're walking away with is millions. Okay. You know, but but you're making these, you, you know, I can give you just a rough estimate. My shows usually gross 600,000. I walk away with like 125. How do you feel? Yeah, but see, but then you have to look at it like you have to look at it like, OK, well, you know, who makes 125,000 a month to, to paint? You know, at the end of the day, it's really not a bad deal. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's, pay for your fame. You pay for your PR. You pay him for my all my first all my trips. It's all first class. I stay on the five star hotels. That percentage that they take from me pays for all that. Right. Yeah. Like some some people would argue that that's like, hey, man, I don't need to spend all that money, and that's money that I would rather just have. A bank account, you know. But either way, like people look at an absolute. That's very healthy. Uh, Gratuitous way of looking at life is like, hey, I'm making a shit ton of money. This is horrible. And it's a lot, it's a lot of money. But from the percentage side, you're like, oh, is there a smart way? Is there a better way? Is there another way? It's hard. And, it's, uh, you you, you can't go from zero to 600,000. It, you know, it takes. It, it takes a very long time for you to establish yourself to to get the kind of clientele to to really be able to render $600,000 in sales. Galleries aren't doing, but maybe. Pfft, Two hundred thousand a month. These these shows that we're doing, it's one day. It's a two hour auction. So granted, I'm painting for thirty days, but the auctions they're they're one day and it's two hours. So when you really think about it, you know, pulling in one hundred and twenty five grand 
in two hours, you know, you're talking 65,000 an hour. That's, that's like, that's, or you do it yourself. And when I was doing it myself, I was pulling in from a hundred K a year doing it myself with no representation, with no, my, I had zero overhead. So it was almost like I was making like 400,000, but I had zero overhead, you know, but but getting representation, fuck man, the, the money it's, you know, it's, it's you sign on the dotted line. You, you have to under you have to comprehend. I didn't comprehend what I was really getting into at first. I didn't really know because I didn't have a point of reference. They said, "Hey, and you're going to become very successful. We're going to change your life. You're going to be famous. You're going to be world renowned. We're going to sell you all over the world." And and that shit sounds great. I've heard that ten times in my career. Right. And this is the one time that it actually panned out. So it's this time it's actually real. You know, I've had well, ten managers. So you went in on those other deals? Yeah, I went in. I go on everything. You know, I'm probably right now signed into 20 contracts, but only one's really paying. You know, because it's Do they only... ever bounce out like, uh, with each other? No, because it's they're all vampires, man. They all just want your money. They, they want to sit back and they want to use their platform and make money. But the thing is, is like I say, you go from making 100000 a year to 100000 a month, you don't really complain. No matter how right. hard you're working, you're just like, fuck, I'm doing what I did in 12 months. I'm doing it in one month. You know, and then you do the math. You're, you're already at 1.2 million. To paint, right. you'd show me the where artists are making that. There, there's not very many artists that, that, that can, I mean, the Damien Hurst and all this, but, you know, right. their name has brought that. We're doing this shit from the bottom up. Like, we're not, I'm not formally educated. So I, I don't have a GD, a diploma. I don't have that stuff. I just know how to fucking paint. Can you, can you walk us through the gestation of your career? Like when did you start painting or drawing? How did you get it looks like graffiti when you start? Yeah, man. Um, I started I started when I was about 14 years old. From about 11, you know, I, we grew up in a terrible neighborhood. So it was like the super ghetto. So it was gangs and I was part of a gang and I got kicked out of the school that I was going to, so I had to go to another school, which was for, it was an alternative school, which was technically for the bad kids. And because I was on the wrong side of the tracks, I was fighting every day and it just became like, oh my God, this is like dangerous. I'm like coming to school every day and I have to fight, like literally. And there was another, there was actually a graffiti artist there and he ended up fighting with me and helping me because he saw I was getting my ass kicked by like four guys. And like, you know, he's like, fuck, I got to help this guy. So he was like, instead, he's like, how about you do some graffiti? He's like, I see you always throwing up your set on the fences and stuff. This way, you're, you, I mean, we fight, but it's at our whim, not fucking every time you see somebody with a different color, you know, it's like, so it was, right. it was a different obstacle. So I was like, he was like, try it out. So I tried it out and I still had my run-ins because I had, you know, I was part of something. So the, the more that I did it, the more I, I distanced myself from the actual gang banging and... And the graffiti just started to take off and it, it was literally like cancer to me, man. Like it overtook me like stage four, like it just ate me alive. And, and I did that shit literally from 15 years old to 25. I mean, we went worldwide. We were going everywhere, we were traveling everywhere. We were in New York, New Jersey, you know, Denver. My family is actually from Germany. So when I would travel overseas with them, I was able to do right over there in Paris and Rome and, and do all these little these little walls and stuff. And it just became like a thing, you know, it was graffiti actually gave me everything that I know to this day. Um, as far as like, um, representation, like, like, like your name is everything. 
you know, your name is your portfolio. That is who you are. So when you when you, when they say a specific name or the, what your tag was, how do they associate it? You know, are they going to say, oh, that guy's a toy. He sucks. Or, yo, he's he's fire. He's, he's he's got the thing. He's got the bee's knees in the graffiti world. And then I worked my way up, man. I did. I went all the way from street tagging to throwing up little, you know, toss ups, which is like a two color fill in. And then we started doing real productions where it's three colors and layers and and then we started doing paid things and then to me it was it was really quiet i was i was known my name was known but i physically my face wasn't known so when i'm in new york and i'm on the subway and they're like oh shit you know i used to write with that guy i was like, i never knew you but i'm sitting you know there's people talking about you right there so that part's cool but then at some point i felt i you know i became i, I went to get a tattoo one day and the owner saw my black book and he was like, hey, man, you know, do you do art? He said, let me see your black book. And as he's flipping through my stuff, I'm getting tattooed. And he's like, hey, man, what do you do for work? I was like, well, I don't really have a job right now. He's like, you want to learn how to tattoo? So I was like, yeah, man, fuck yeah, why not? He was like, yo, you're a pretty good artist. Maybe you should think about tattooing. And literally that day I left with an apprenticeship. And I started, mm-hmm. hanging, out. I started hanging out and, you know, I was doing the shit. And he was like, dude, I guess you're pretty fucking dedicated. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to tattoo. And, the, and this was the owner saying this at the tattoo shop. And he says, uh, and, and he was like, you know, it's tattoo. So it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which I found out, you know, during my whole 14-year career of that, that he was kind of unreliable. He, he was kind of high sometimes. So I was like, how am I supposed to learn from this guy? And there was another artist, which was the head artist for that, that tattoo shop at that time. Um, he took me under his wing. He's like, bro, I see that you're dedicated. You're pretty sick. Uh, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to take you under my wing. And his name is Zach Huff. And he taught me, he, he says, uh, for the, so the next two years, I kind of followed on his coattail and he taught me everything that I know about tattooing. And then uh, within these, this time, he says, okay, well, you know, it's time for you to spread your wings and fly. So he says, go somewhere else, move somewhere else. He's like, the best thing about tattooing is that it doesn't matter where, where you're at. You don't have to be trained. You're already trained. So all you need to know is where to plug in your gear. So right. I can go move to California. I can go move to this. And I just, you show me where to plug my shit in and I'm ready to work. So I moved around, you know, Orlando, Miami. I, I actually ended up in New York for a very long time. And then I tattooed out there. And that's where everything, that's where I got my formal education. So I worked with some amazing tattooers along my little journey. And it has taught me everything. Actually, I got paid to learn because I was a tattooer. So I learned composition, perspective, color theory, value. I mean, literally point of horizon. I mean, literally everything that, and then plus I learned anatomy on top of that. So everything. Right, I was going to ask what, what type of technique do they have because it's a body part, oh. not just a blank canvas. You know? Oh, forget it. You know, it's, you know, and I was always a painter. So, and I knew how, what I could do with a spray paint can, what I knew with a paintbrush, I couldn't do with the, with the tattoo. What I did tattooing, I couldn't do. Yeah, you know, so right. it was really cool mediums like, oh shit. You know, so I started applying different things and I started meshing different things. I was like, well, how about if I try to color it this way? as I do the graffiti and it started to change my graffiti. And then I worked up all the way to doing, you know, the, there's different variations of style, but I ended off with 3D, which is like literally like the, the Jedi of graffiti. So I ended up there and, I, and it, for, I ran that stuff for a while. And then I just felt like um, I needed something else. I need something else. I've always been like a very driven person. Like, okay, I did this, now what? And then I did this, then now what? And then I did this and now what? So I've been part of all these different cultures from, you know, with break, I was a break dancer for a long time too. The whole time we were doing graffiti, we were all B-boys. So 
It's just you're just we were just immersed in culture. It was just so heavy. Now that I look back, it, then it was our lives. Now I'm 41 years old, and I look back and I'm like, fuck, man, wow, like what I was actually part of versus like what I what I tried to run from my entire life. Oh, you were part of graffiti. I wouldn't I wouldn't never proud. I wouldn't tell people that yo I'm a graffiti artist because we were supposed to be ghosts. So that part of my life was actually invisible. No one really right. knew that I was a writer except for people that who knew me. You know, we, we kept that shit hush because that's just was the culture. And then doing the, the graffiti and then the b-boying and it just was it just really builds you a, a character. So you mm-hmm. have this little persona and a bravado of of like, man, I'm like the shit like you speed boy. You know, I'm really good at dancing. I'm a graffiti artist. I'm really good at drawing. So, you know, and we were we were style. We had a lot of style. So everybody kind of always looked up. And then I became a tattooer. And then it was like that on steroids. So, you know, it was just it was just so much compounded culture that, like I say, in hindsight, it really is a blessing because I at the end of it, I lived in, um, you know, fast forward a little bit. I moved from New York to Miami because I owned my own tattoo shop in New York and just business out there just wasn't the way that I wanted it to be. You know, I never cashed one paycheck the entire time I lived in New York. Really? Not one paycheck. I got paid cash every day. You know, so even even with my business, you know, we knew everybody. So it wasn't like the IRS was going to come bust your balls. It, nobody. It was just really weird. Just it was just oh, a literal. It was literal cash. It was like literal, I mean, literal, literal check. Just, just didn't just exist. Like life just. We had all this stuff, and then you know, I got mixed up into drugs, and that was partially the, the reason that I left uh, New York. I just needed to get away, and everybody said, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, drugs are everywhere. Right. What age were you? Um, I left New York when I was 35 and I'm 41 now. So I've been in in Miami for about six years and that entire time, you know, it was, I was just mechanics, you know, uh, the population out there and I was a pretty decent tattooer. So we stayed busy. I stayed busy every single day and I would paint period, you know, periodically. I wouldn't paint as much as I did when I moved to Miami, but you know, I painted and I painted and I painted. And then I moved to Miami and all I had was time because nobody really trusted me to tattoo them. You know, they were like, you know, take your ass back to New York. This is Miami. So I had a really hard time. But in hindsight, man, the 2020 of that story is I became a professional painter because of it. Nobody really wanted to let me tattoo them. So I was like, okay, well, fuck it. I'll just paint because that's what I know how to do. And I just sat in the studio and I painted every day, six days a week. 12 hours a day I was painting and it just started to catch on. I just felt, I, I didn't even try to focus. I just painted because I was like, I'm not going to sit here with my thumb up my butt. So let me do something. So I just drew and I painted. So I was like, you know, let me paint. And I would paint and I would paint and I would paint. And then people would ask, they were like, hey man, are you selling that? So I started selling it. And then then it was like, oh, then the gal, then the, um, the owner of the shop, he says, well, shit, let's take down the flash and let's turn this place into an art gallery. He's like, you give me 10%. And you sell your artwork. And you that's a good guy. Right and you do, t- yeah. But he ended up being like a, a, you know, I had to deal with jealous and envy like firsthand. Because in the beginning, it was I would sell one painting. I was making more money tattooing than painting. But then it then it flipped. I was actually making, I was actually making more money than everybody in the shop just by painting. And he wasn't liking it. He was like, "This is a tattoo shop." And this is a this is it within a year. He says, "This is a tattoo shop. This is not an art gallery." You know you need to give me more money because you're making all this money. And it just became a big, huge problem. 
in that time, I guess everybody said, you know, you had one foot in the door, one foot out. You were already so ready to leave. And, you know, he says, you're already establishing yourself. Just go. So I go. Right. But right before I go, um, like a month before that, um, City Hall, I had tattooed one of uh, one of the state senate's daughters. And she wouldn't shut up about how cool I was. So he had to come see me. And he's this guy's an amazing painter and blah, blah, blah. So he comes in and he goes, hey, man, I got pool with the art committee. Would you like to do a show for uh, an exhibition, a solo exhibition in City Hall? I was like, well, duh. So we did, we did, it, we did that. I didn't sell anything. Um, two, a couple days later after the show, uh, I picked up my work and I get a phone call from the curator. And he says, hey, man, there, there's these uh, two country clubs would like to see your work and they want to see your portfolio. So I go see them and each one of them bought 20 grand worth of artwork. It, was, it blew my mind. You know, and then it was really cool because they paid me. They didn't have actual 20 grand to give me. So they paid me five grand each every month. So it was like I had just it wasn't it was so it was so perfect at that time because I wasn't really great with money. And if, I knew if, that if I would have got that kind right, of money, right, I probably right. would just squander exactly. it away. It was just enough amount that it was a lot, but it wasn't too much. So I was like, okay, I can go crazy. Yeah, so it, yeah it was perfect. And then it exactly. just started happening. Like I started doing more shows and I was selling more stuff and my name started getting out there. And I, I formulated my style because through that whole time, I didn't have my style. I was painting Buddhas because the, the shop that I, was, I came from was Dharma. So I learned a lot about Buddhism and it cleared my mind. It helped me. It helped me recharge who I was because coming from New York, it's a real right. stiff yeah. place. You know, it's a big city, no uh -huh. pity. People don't give a damn if you have a problem. You just get out of the way and you do your thing. I do mine. So I, I, it cleared me of that and it helped me be nice and it helped me be acceptable to people and just be more amicable and, and build relationships. Because I, before I just was, I was oblivious to build a relationship with people. Like I just didn't want anybody to get close to me. My guards were always up. I was a true to life artist because even if no one knew that I was a graffiti artist, I would keep, I was, that's who I was. So I was like, I can't have you get close to me because if you're more than around me, then you're going to know what I write. So I always kept like, kind of like my distance and they're like, oh man, you always kind of duck off at this time. And you know, you know, we don't see yeah. you for a day or two. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm like, they, you know, it's kind of Spider-Man, Superman thing. You know, we would, because I didn't want anybody to know because the second they know, then they tell people and they tell people, oh, shit, I know this guy. And, and then it becomes like a problem, which, you know, we wanted fame, but not that way. I wanted my name to be famous. I didn't want me physically to be famous. So, you know, and this is another fast forwarding, you know, 10 years, 15 years. I'm on center stage, which is the scariest thing. It was the scariest thing that you could do to an artist is put them on stage in front of 200 people with a, spot. With a microphone until yeah. they have to say what your work was to be scrutinized. You know, you could talk shit about my wall. Chances are I'm not going to be around for you to bash it. And, oh, this sucks. And, you know, this color is whack. Or, you know, you don't, you don't hear the, right. the derogatory comments. But when you're looking out stay on stage and you're looking out and you're like, oh, shit, they're looking at my work. And you see people and, like, and you're like, oh, man, you know, you, it hits you hard. You know, you could see see how people are you know so it was luckily oh my god luckily that everybody loved my work instantly because and then this, is, then this is goes right back to that culture thing you know i didn't realize that i was immersing myself i was you know um unleashing emotions that i kept bottled in because of graffiti so we would have little sayings on our graffiti and we would always have some sort of agenda or i can't say propaganda was what we were pushing but we would push about pushing against the system 
you know, that you, you have to make graffiti is our language. It's it's our thing. And it taught me that that that, you know, you are you are you have to become whatever you do. So when I was a graffiti artist, I was I was a real, real genuine graffiti artist. When I was a tattooer, I was a genuine, genuine tattooer. I focused and I gave 110 percent of myself to that craft just as much as b-boying and and it, that's what helped me with discipline i think a lot of artists they lack discipline they want the label to be an artist but they're, they're not just they're just really not ready to put in the time they're, you know i tell people it's like the whole factor of being cool you can't be cool on friday and saturday if you're going to be cool you got to be cool 365 days i mean every everything you do has got to be cool you can't go here and then oh well you know i'm going to just cut the corners today because i'm not cool no no you know work to get in work to stay in that's just how that's how it's always been and you know and i tell artists that too you know you take pride into what you do take pride into your craft and most most of these artists it's, it's just like the hip-hop scene right now if you say one little line you become famous you don't even know how to deal with anything and it's the same thing with art they want all this fame they want they want to sell their work they want to get ten thousand for their pieces Yet they're putting in three hours of effort wanting a $10,000 payout. Like it's just and you don't think that the client's not going to see that because if you think that right. that if you ask, hey, man, they're, they're going to say, hey, how, what are you asking for that piece? And you say 10,000. They're going to like, OK, cool. I'll get back to you. They're not going to get back to you for a few reasons. One, they're going to go Google you instantly. And, then, and if nothing pops up, you're not worth 10 grand. If they don't see one article on you, if they don't see one publication on you and you're fucking asking 10 G's, you're not going to sell nothing. And that's usually what happens because very rare you catch a rich guy that says, hey, man, I'll just give you 10 grand. I don't care if it's not worth it. Most right, people, man. even the rich people, they're definitely going to do a little bit of digging saying, cool, man, I'll give you 10 grand because it's fucking awesome if it's worth it. And then some people will pay you, but that's going to be few far in between. You might catch one person in the next two years. You don't sell anything, you know, so it's it, it's taken a lot to do the grassroots thing, cutting your teeth and truly, truly learning the right way. And and I feel that that's the way I did it. I started, you know, in the tattoo shop, <clears throat> I was selling stuff for 500 bucks, 800 bucks, 1500 bucks. And then once I became a professional painter, I actually hired a marketing firm to give me a formula to teach me. Well, they didn't, they reluctantly taught me and I fired them and, and then I started doing it myself. So I just did their formula. I went all the way back down to 50 bucks a piece. And it wasn't like I was selling a painting for 50 bucks, but I was doing eight by 10 little abstract, just colors. And I did 50 of those and I sold all 50 of those. And then I moved to a hundred bucks and then I sold you know, 40 or 50, $100 ones. And then I did to 150 and I did to 350 and then I did to 500. But by that time, out of all that clientele, you're talking four or 500 people, which is going to spread the word. You know, 500 reaches 1500, which is reaches 2000, which is 4000, which is 8000. That number grows very quickly. And it's like, oh man, I bought this piece for 50 bucks and blah, blah. So it's literally like a placebo. So that's what starts your whole momentum. Most artists, the last thing they want to do is say, oh, my God, I sold my last piece for $50. Nobody has to know you sold it for 50 bucks. The only person that knows that you, they, they bought it for 50 bucks is the person that's buying it. Yeah. And whenever they sell other pieces for 100, they're going to, lot, they're going to want to buy more. Correct. And, and then you're in the beginning, they'll, they'll usually they'll grow with you. And at some point they will fall off because they're at the exactly they will grow. Of course. That a lot of artists do. But that depending on how fast you grow then it then it becomes like a oh shit like because there's a there's a sweet spot you got from zero to 500 there's a lot of that 
There's a lot of that. But yeah. then, then from 500 to 2,000, yeah, there's quite a bit of that too. And there's quite a bit of from 2,500 to 5,000. The people that bought the 50s will not buy a $5,000 piece. There's a reason why they bought the $50 pieces because that's kind of their – that's their tax bracket. This is what I can right. do. I've got – I spent 600 bucks with you, but unfortunately, they're all $50 pieces. Right. You know, and that's just how it works. And because not one person that has bought from me four years ago buys from me now. They support me and they're part of that cult because I built that that little yeah, creators crew, creators crew, creators crew. So yeah, I have formulated a real bond with a lot of my collectors and they still contact me and I still have a relationship with them to this day. They don't buy because they say, I can't support you, but I'll spread the word. Which is yeah. that's just as valuable as you know, as buying something because it's free publicity. Have you ever thought about doing some type of subscription uh, gallery? Or, you know, rotating like where it's like small pieces for someone that's like a tax bracket to be able to you know, pay you fifty a month for one by one or a painting that I'll work from home and put it on the wall. Yeah, I mean, with my work regiment, it's it's really hard because like I do shows and we just travel once a month and sometimes two to three times a month depending on the inventory that I have. So it's it's really hard to like take on projects. All these, if you really want to get into anything, these these um. FTN or F FNT files, these digital files, these are going to be the new age of artwork. Like this is this is how people are really going to, you know, you're you're trying to bre uh, breach this thing of let's make artists and and the money let's put them together. Well, now this digital currency with the art world, this that's what it's doing. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening literally as we speak. It is on fire. Mm -hmm. So it's helping a lot of artists to really establish themselves very quickly. But I think, you know, you have to you have to start somewhere, you know, and, I, and the people starting on these FNT files or FTN, I don't know, know how to say it. Uh, right. NFTs. Yeah, the NFT files. Once you start with that, then, then it's different. There's a whole different value when it comes to somebody that's hand painting something, because a lot of the digital art, they're literally doing it on on, on an iPad. Right. Which is not that for someone who actually wants to. That's where I personally look at the NFTs and like. Dude, I'd rather just save these from you. But you, you know? can still do the same thing. I could still take any one of my paintings and turn it into one of those files. But don't I have to have a computer to show it? I can't just like, put a physical. Like, I don't buy ebook. I buy the real book. Of course. For sure. You know For sure. I mean? No, I need something tangible. I mean, yeah. but look at so what technology is going. Someone, I'm just, just wondering, you know, you're definitely like an upper echelon of artists uh, buying like the people in top 8%. Whenever how could something like how could you potentially earn more money from people that can't buy your art they still want to give you money for something they can like theirs it's not well you just scale it down you know you scale it down you do your you do, if once your prices go higher you know most people they contact me and they're like hey man i would love to buy a print well there's a, there's a real gray area when you say print when you say when they say print they're thinking like the 20 to 50 dollar range my prints right. are in the thousands mm -hmm. because it has to correlate to the price of the the, the original i can't exactly. sell a ten thousand dollar original and then sell the print for 50 bucks it just doesn't work like that i've got to right. sell it for a thousand dollars because it has to correlate to that price 
And most people, they contact me and they say, hey, man, I got $300. I would love to buy a print. And it's like, you know, and I used to get insulted. And I would say, you look at my work and you would think that I'm selling my fucking work for 300 bucks. And I would get upset. But I, and it took me a long time to understand that they're coming from their perspective. It's not a disrespect to say that your work is worth 300 bucks. No, that's saying that what they have to spend is 300 bucks. I used to take it very personal. But it took me a long time to, for someone actually told me, they were like, maybe you look at it in a different light. And, and I did. And now I appreciate it. I don't get so... You know, I don't get in my emotions so much as far as when people say, hey, man, I got 500 bucks, but I would like to buy an original. That's you know, it's like if even if you're putting $500 in original in the same sentence, that even that to me doesn't sound right. I would like to buy an original piece of artwork. OK, well, if you have the emphasis on original, you would really think that somebody's going to sell original for 500 bucks. You know, and, but that's that's perspective. You know, it's perception. Right. People people really do view things a lot of ways. But if, if, if you know, to to build any kind of stream of revenue, do merch, you know, do some t-shirts, find somebody that's going to print some t-shirts. If it costs 10 bucks to make them, sell them for 15 bucks. You know, just about everybody. Look, I have them all. I give mine away. If, if you want to buy it from somebody, it's 65 bucks, you know, and I, it's, it's all these things that it, you can generate money, but at the end of the day, you have to have money to generate money. That's the problem with with art that people have all these. Diets. I want to make keychains. Okay, well you need to have to have money to make keychains. You, if you don't know how to design it, you're gonna to have to pay someone to design the thing. Just because you can render it into a drawing, but then they're gonna to have to render it into a blueprint, which renders it into the actual physical, tangible thing. You know that all that stuff costs money. So people, all these artists, they have these great ideas, yet they have no platform. You know, it, it takes it takes a long time. Most. And I, I try, we all try to do it. We all try to do the steps of one, four, nine, 15. Okay, right. well, sometimes with art, you really have to do the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. If you don't do it that way, by the time you're at 11, you're going to be going back to four because you're going to need right. that stuff that you were supposed to learn at four at 11. Yeah. So, all my these, favorite quote is uh, the lazy man always twice. Right, right, right. Which, which is crazy because when I was learning art, I didn't want to paint steel life pears and bananas and, and bowls of fruit. But 15 years into my career, I actually enjoy painting that now. Why? Because it's not an obligation. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff with art that people say, oh, I want to be an artist. And then the first thing I tell them, well, what do you want your work to say? And they're like, I don't know. Well, then you don't want to be an artist. Because you have, do you just want to paint stuff? Do you want to paint as a hobby? Or do you want to paint? Are you really trying to make something? And even at that point, like that's why I say I'll have PhD information to someone that's in elementary school. So it's like even that, that, that that's as far as they thought is I want to be an artist because art is awesome. It inspired me. And that's as far as it goes. So when you try to tell them something in a philosophical manner, it's just going to go right over their head. You know, so you, there, there's a lot of stuff that I tell every artist. They're like, well, how could I get started? First, find out what you want to say in your work. You know, how powerful mm -hmm. do you want your work to be? Do you want to just paint cool stuff or do you really want to have something to say? You know, I, at some mm -hmm. point I was just painting cool stuff because I knew what appealed because I used tattooing. You know, I generalized people that would come in that people would really get the same stuff over and over and over. So it's like, hmm, maybe I should paint it. And I started painting it and then people started buying it because they were buying it for their skin. Why wouldn't they buy it for, on right. canvas? So that, that's where business, you know, having, um, you know, you have to make sure that you're intuitive. You got to understand everything that's happening around you because everything that's, you know, what you do today affects your tomorrow. So people try to dismiss what, what they did tomorrow. Oh, I want to learn something new. No, no. 
utilize all those tools that you learned. And I didn't even know how to utilize everything until it started to come to fruition. I'm like, oh man, I learned this back then. So I can apply this now. So everything I was doing and all I did with, with everything is, you know, they, everybody says the time, the 10 times 10, you know, if you sell $1, 10 times, and then once you make the $10, sell the $10, 10 times, and then do that over and over. That recipe is not far from the truth. So basically all you do is do the same thing and repeat the pattern over and over. So I have this theory, I call it the number theory. And I, and I say, it's the hours results. Just like a job, you render 40 hours works, so you get them shitty checks. Same thing with artwork. If you paint for 40 hours, you're going to render 40 hour results. If you paint for 80 hours, you're going to render 80 hour results. If you paint for 100 and so on, 120. Well, for four years straight, I painted for 120 hours a week. So you're talking 20,000 hours. Most artists barely put in 10 to 15, in, almost in their entire career. So when you're talking, and that, that's how this happened for me. All I did was jumble a bunch of time into a very short amount of time. So I took that 40 hours. So for every month, I was doing four months worth of work. So every four months, I was doing literally a year's worth of work. So every year, I was doing four years worth of work. So this four years, I put in 12 years worth of work in four years. That's why I got to where I got. It was literally a numbers game. It didn't matter. And that by that numbers game, it, it, there's a, there's, you're going to get something that, that you're building right there. So all these hours that you're doing, you're sharpening your shit every time. Boom, boom. The more you work every, these 80 hours a week, you, I mean, you're sharper than a razor. So your, your application gets better. Your time gets better. Your, your, your speed gets better. Your, your way to handle issues become better because you have just reverse engineered some, something so much that you're just, it's, it's almost like they say, how long did it take you to paint that? And I say 30 years. Because it took 30 years of information to paint it in two hours. And that's, that's all I did was scale it and scale it. And that's the same thing I did with the gallery. So that's how I am like the golden boy right now because I'm just outworking everybody. People forget the four fucking letter word that pro propels you past everybody. It's just work. You know, I didn't when I started to get noticed, I didn't reach out to anybody because when I did reach out to anybody, everybody, they all slammed the door. They're like, nah, you're not, you know, that you look too risky. You don't you, you don't look like a fine art painter. So boom, door shuts. You your your work looks like it's, you know, um, it's too graffiti. It's too lowbrow shuts because you're not you want to be a fine art painter. No, it looks like lowbrow work and we don't want lowbrow work. Lowbrow work is for poor people. You know, that that's for the that's for the 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 not for the poor people, but for the people that are underground. Because that's why it's called low brow. You know, then you have highbrow work, like which, which I'm now is like highbrow. It's like you these these sticker shocks. How much for this piece? Thirty five thousand. They're like, oh shit, mm -hmm. yeah, highbrow work. So it's it's mm -hmm. it's in the upper echelon, and and it took a long time. It took a short amount of time, but it took a long took a time to get yeah. there. You know, I could have did it in the same way. It could have took me fifteen years what I did if I wanted to have a life, but I surrendered myself to the craft. You know, my wife would tell me I would literally. Tattoo, well, I wouldn't tattoo, but I would be at the tattoo shop all day. I would paint all day, 12 hours. I would come home and I would paint till three, four in the morning. I had some internal voice that said, you have to paint, you have to paint, you have to do this. Something inside you says, you have to do this. I didn't even know. It's almost like you, you know, but you don't know. Something, I heard it, it physically in my head that says, pick up the paintbrush and paint. And then paint until you can't paint anymore. 
And then when you go to work, paint more and then paint more and then paint more. And then I became so obsessed of the result because that's that's another thing that artists lack. It's you know, it's it's very discouraging when you don't get the result. When you're painting these paintings, I'm 30 paintings in and nobody wants to buy it. And it's like, why am I painting? You know, why why and then this goes right back to the beginning, the ABCs. What do you want your artwork to say? Mm-hmm. What is that? Once you get that, then the story unfolds every time. Every time you lack inspiration, every time you get these artist blocks, I get artists all the time that say, hey, man, I just get these artist blocks. You, it's why? Because you're just thinking of random shit to paint. Yeah, if you think, try to think of random shit to paint, it's just, it's like, you know, in this, in the body of the work, it's going to be so sloppy that you're not going to be known for anything. Okay, today he painted a cool tiger and then he painted some ballerinas. The ballerina people don't like tigers. The tiger people don't like ballerinas. So you're, you're, you're so separate with everything. You need to get something that kind of turns everybody onto itself. And then making something that's relatable, like contemporary stuff, which you're painting life. I use life as my muse. So that, that's what happens. And that's why, it, that's why my work sells because they're like, man, I could see myself in that painting. And, and mm-hmm. that's usually how it works. They're not, they're, they're not, most of the time, they're not going to buy it because it has value. Any real wealthy person will tell you, I didn't buy it because it's worth money. I bought it because I like it. Maybe your, your ethics brought you to this. I'm not buying it because I love it, but your ethics will get you in front of the right people. Shitty mm-hmm. ethics, it's just the same 40-hour result. You know, you do 40 hours, you're going to render those kind of people where they're, where they're I've got 50 bucks, i got 100 bucks. And that's great. If you're doing that, if, you, if you're selling two $300 a day in artwork, you're making some good money. That's, that's some pretty decent money. You're a couple thousand a week. You know, that money yeah. multiplies pretty fast. And then mm-hmm. once you start to build this thing and then once you get it, you reinvest in yourself. Most artists, they celebrate before they've won. So they stay behind and they're, 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 they're going and buy. They, made, they sold a $1,000 painting and then they go buy a $1,000 bottle of liquor and they go celebrate. Yes. It's like, dude, you're, you're not really getting ahead. So you're just living from painting to painting to painting to painting. And then once you're chasing that money, it's really hard to catch it. You know, you'll catch it a little bit and then it'll run from you and then you'll catch up. And then you you want to just surrender yourself to your craft. Give everything that you have. The only way that you're going to be successful in this art world Unless you know somebody, you know, then, then everything's different. It's a whole different game. But if you want to do it from from pull up, put up your bootstraps and you do it on your own. Yeah, you got it. You really, really got to dedicate yourself to the craft. Like, I mean, you have to be beyond obsessed. Everybody around you're going to lose everybody around you. You know, I almost got a divorce because of my work ethic. You know, I thought that by me providing for my wife and my kids and buying them stuff and buying them nice stuff that that it was it was mending things. And it wasn't. They said, we don't want the stuff we had. We had you before the stuff. So the stuff is it means nothing. They don't want the stuff. They want you. So they have to be prepared for that, because at the height of my career, we were, I was doing so well. My wife looked at me. She says, I don't think I want to be married anymore. And then when you hear that, you, your whole all the reality that you thought you had comes crashing down you're like well i don't get it because how could you not feel the way that i feel because you know we're like on top of the world right now you're you're bursting my bubble and it wasn't that it was meant for a reason because i i know who i am in the art world but i'm also a, a father i'm also a husband i'm also a brother i'm also a friend you know i have to remember that too but you have to get rid of these things in the beginning that's the only way is the only way that it's going to work. You know, mm-hmm. you can get these little results where you're like, okay, this and this. But if you want drastic, drastic life changes to where 
every year you're 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 literally either quadrupling your pay or you're just you're just becoming this thing and now i have become this thing and the the easiest the hardest part is to keep it you know we all know how success works you get there you, you, it takes this much effort to get there and then you're right there and then to get here from here to here this from here to here is the hardest part ever because you're working 10 times harder than you thought you i thought i worked harder on this time and i'm actually working 10 times harder because now my regiment now i'm responsible now i'm held accountable the gallery has to have x amount of pieces you know they're they're putting faith into me to to produce x amount because the bottom line i want to make sure that i hit my bottom line the gallery wants to make sure they hit their, their bottom line so th once you start mixing these, these businesses and if you're not a business savvy person as an artist we we never are because we're artists that's what that's the, you know those things don't really they're not the yeah, same they're, they're, they're really yeah. not the same so once you can start to put these things together and make a nice, beautiful little sandwich, it really changes you. You don't, you, you know, you look at everything as a business, which it can be a good and a bad thing, you know, because you kind of, you don't lose authenticity with business, but you have to follow the time. You know, and that's the problem with art. It's like, you know, I love painting everything. I'm, a, I'm just literally a vessel of information. But in the beginning, I didn't want to paint butterflies. But for my movement to be funded, women love butterflies. I'm going to paint butterflies because it's just going to keep the little brownie points that keep happening. That's that's a result. I have to paint something that I don't like to get the result, to get to do something that I do want. You know, and that's most people that right. are like, oh, I paint for me. And you're broke as hell. Yeah. So what, what, what are you really proving? Like, you're not really proving anything, you know. And there's, there, there's artists that will go to their 50 years old. No, I paint for me. I sell one painting. I, I you know, I don't need all the stuff. No, you don't need all the stuff because you don't have it. Imagine if you did do it, because like they say, the second that dotted line comes to you, you're going to sign it. Trust me. Right. You, you just every, you know, there is no sell your soul to the devil. You just have to refine your ethics. You have to refine your integrity. You have to have a lot of specific attributes if you want this shit to work. You know, it's so, not so what would you recommend do whenever they get line? What you're a little bit more than they structure some type of agreement. Um, I mean, with contracts and stuff, you know, most of the time you definitely want to stay away from exclusive unless you know that they're going to pay you handsomely, like unless they're going to really, really take care of you because exclusivity is going to take away your right to make a decision, you know, and, and even the, the contract that I'm in now is not exclusive. So I already had, uh, I was already somebody prior to me signing the contract because if I wasn't, they did want me to surrender everything to them. So they, so I'm not cutting throat and selling to their collectors behind their back. There's a lot of stuff with the art world. You know, like I say, they're, they're going to make sure that they cover their grounds like all day right. long. They're not going to, they're going to make sure they don't lose. So should people step wise and like kind of strategize instead of going for the big right off the bat, or, you know, scratch up anything, or with something that they know they can comfortably get really <coughs> I mean, it's like, like I said before, it's that PhD information. Most of the time when they see that stuff, they're not even going to know what they're looking at. I didn't. And I felt like I was pretty fairly educated when I got into the art world as far as contracts. But the contract's never going to be in your favor, ever. That contract is to protect them. You know, it's going to tell you what you can and can't do. And then when you do the stuff that you can't do, it protects them. It doesn't protect you. It protects them. So I tell everybody, 
it depends on what you want out of art. You know, how far do you want to take your career? Do you want to be self-represent? Do you want to have self-representation where you're not getting the same value because that's how this world is, is we need a pedigree. Okay, if you're self-represented, show me. You know, the gallery is going to give you the pedigree. It's going to give you the paperwork. It's going to give you the things that that when the million dollar, when your million dollar collector says, hey, I'm ready to commission you for a $50,000 painting. Yeah, well, I need to see your pedigree. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just, that's the, no, it's the unfortunate part of the art world is they need to see it. And, and if you, if you are doing exactly what you're supposed to by breaking the rules and making your own way, the, the monetary part, it is, it's irrelevant. The, not one person has ever questioned my price. I've had people be smart asses, but I've never had, if I, even when I was selling stuff in the five grand range a couple years ago, four years ago, I never had somebody, how do I know you're worth five grand? You know, and there were a couple people that did bring some, some pretty valid points. How do I know that if I pay five grand today that you're even going to be painting in a year? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you don't want to paint anymore. And so what is my $5,000 investment? It turns to a paperweight and you got five grand from me. That's how business works. We all know that it's maximize your output and minimize, no, and minimize your output and maximize your input. Bring in as much as you can, let out as, as little as possible. That's the only way that it's going to work. You have to literally become a crab with money of everything that you do. You take at least 15% of your pay and you put it back into yourself. You have to, because that's the only way that you're going to grow. You know, just buying materials doesn't necessarily work. You got to put out flyers. You got to put out merchandise. You got to do hats. You got to do keychains. You got to do all these little things, so you it, you keep up with the Joneses. Because just because you're not doing it, trust me, there's five thousand other artists that are doing it twice. They got seven keychains, eight bags of stickers. You know, every artist they have to understand their competition. You're not the only person selling artwork. So who are you selling next to? That's a, that's a big, huge factor of I'm not selling. I'm not selling anything. It's so hard. Well, look at who you're selling next to. You know, when, when they say, I want 5000 for my painting, they're going to know they're going to already know a $5,000 artist. And they're like, you don't have half the credentials this person has. And they're, they're not going to buy. And you, like I say, th- you might get a sell here and there. But if you have it to where it's it's right there and it's credible, you'll, you'll make money like this. Because once it hits, it hits, and the world the word spreads, especially especially with people with money. You know, it's every, the people with money they want to outdo themselves. Oh, my friend bought a fifty thousand dollar painting. Well, cool. I'm gonna go buy an eighty thousand dollar painting, and then that, that eighty thousand becomes a hundred thousand. So it all becomes out some some sort of a spite, and you're just a you're just just a mere vessel. Is it really worth this? You know, we just had a piece sell um, at the last auction two days ago. Um, 24 by 36 went for sold for 35,000. You know, so there's there's how much is it worth? And this is one of the pieces that that it was it was a powerful piece. It's, it was my Statue of Liberty. It was the open eyes piece. It, the piece was called Redemption. And just the story behind it, out of 100 people, I had 10 people crying. They came up to me sobbing, saying, uh, you're, 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 you, your work is just, it impacted me that much it, to where, you know, and then the, the guy who bought it, I became really close with him and it's crazy how impactful work could be like that. But I guarantee you, you know, every artist that's going to end up watching this understand that painting landscapes and painting steel lifes will never have the impact that a story will. You know, somebody's going to be able to relate and say, oh, my mom used to always have a bowl of fruits and, you know, reminds me of that. 
Okay, so yeah, you'll get those people, but you want the intriguing, you want to antagonize the mind. You want to antagonize mm-hmm. and you want to provoke these people to really say that, like, this is how you embark on change because you poke, poke and push and poke these people hard enough to where they're just completely compelled to say stuff. Like, this guy, this artist says this and this, and then that person gets so, they're so enthusiastic about it that they spread that and it's infectious. So mm-hmm. we actually end up doing, doing a semi-published piece and we sold mixed media prints of that piece for three thousand a piece, and we sold almost forty of them. So, and that 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 shows how powerful that that I, I can't have the original. I would love to have a mixed media, and yet four thousand, three thousand, sign me up, and we sold close to forty of them because that piece that had sense. that kind of merit to it. So, what is the conceptual course that you want your art? Well, I mean, I want at the end of the day, the, my whole movement is is faceless. So there's a reason that you don't see a face in my work because you can see, you see, I have my, I got my face tattooed, my ears are stretched, I got tattoos on my face. So that's where this whole face, this faceless movement came from because we live in a very judgmental world. <clears throat> that it's easy to say that if you're not pretty enough, if you're not handsome enough, if you don't fit this caliber, if you're not, if you're not in this tax bracket, that you're just not worthy. So I want my work to inspire people to say that chase your dreams, you know, because it is possible. That's what I want people to take from my work, that if I can do it, you can do it. There's a reason that I don't paint my work perfect. There's a reason that it's a rough around the edges, because we as people are rough around the edges. We as people are abstract. You know, some people look different. You know, they carry themselves a specific way, but on the inside, they're they're different. You know, when you can make a connection to where your inside and your outside is the same, then you become your own masterpiece. And it's it's amazing. And that's this is where artists shine because what they see is a reflection of themselves. So I tell all that's why all my paintings are self-portraits, because they have no face. They're all of us. At some point we all celebrate in a specific way. We all have demise. We all have malice intentions on things. That's just this is life. People, you know, everybody says they need to fix, they need to fix. You got to get away from the bad. You got to get away from the bad. There's never, they'll never, ever, ever, no matter how hard they try, no matter how powerful they think they are, they'll never be able to get rid of bad ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever, because it's the opposite of good. So as much as we have good, we will always have that equal amount of bad. So people always say this world will never fix itself ever, 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 because that's, they can't, there, there's never going to be a utopia. It's never, because right. at some point, one person is not going to be happy. Right. You know, they're going to want more. And power, it, it, it's infused like that way with power. Like you, And we want that as artists. I want to become the most powerful artist. I, you know, I don't want to become a Picasso. I am the create. I, you know, I don't want to be Warhol. I'm create. I don't want to be, you know, that was one, another thing, too, that I never wanted anybody to look at my work and automatically say, oh, your work looks like this guy. So you're following his mm-hmm. footsteps or, you know, <clears throat> this person is, you know, he influenced you because... Salvador Dali, he's the one who really inspired me to pick up a paintbrush. But my work looks nothing like his. Yes, I paint melting mm-hmm. clocks, right. I paint elephants, and I paint stuff that he paints, but it doesn't look the same. So right. I want people to to walk away with my work as, as like, um, you know, be yourself. You know, have a voice. Create this thing that if you don't know what it is today, baby steps. Just think of what you want. Your, if you looked at artwork, what do you want to see? Now you convey exactly that. And then once you start doing that, it starts multiplying. 
So like mm-hmm. now I've trained my mind to think art. Like everything I do is art, period. Like whether it's a conversation, whether it's food, colors, I, I just look at stuff in a completely different way. I'm looking at spectrums. Oh man, if, if I look into a crowd, what color sticks out the most? What color, and then this is what helps me with contrast. When I look into a, I squint my eyes and I look out and I see what colors am I seeing the most? Because that's mm-hmm. what the eye picks up. So when I start doing that, I correlate that to art. There's a lot of science behind art as well. So if you can get to the metaphysiological part of the mind, you really, and that's where painting emotions and feelings and you're making somebody cry because at the, at the end of the day, when I was painting, it made me want to cry because it is that powerful because it has mm-hmm. that kind of message behind it. So once you start doing that, and then, then people do walk away with your work, like saying, wow, this is, it's impactful. It's, you know, this is mm-hmm. revolutionary things. You know, I said, if you want to be revolutionary, you have to do something revolutionary. You have to do something that nobody's doing, which in the art world is very hard. It's very rare that you find yeah. everything's been painted a hundred thousand times over. But for some reason, I found my niche. Like I found something mm-hmm. that I literally mixed Picasso, Warhol, Basquiat, you know, you know, cause I, I mixed everybody's style into one and mm-hmm. it's working. So, you know, I, I tell people, I tell artists, you, you have to, before you just want to pick up the paintbrush and learn, really digest what you want to do. If you, if this is your journey and this is what you want, take some time. What are you in a hurry for? Like you can't be famous. You can be famous in a day, but it's going to be gone tomorrow. You want mm-hmm. something that's going to stand the test of time. Like you want in a hundred years, what are people going to look at? What are people going to, you're going to remember where we were at in this specific moment. Every piece I did in 2020, I signed it with COVID because I wanted people to remember that at this time, this is my mentality at this specific moment of how mm-hmm. I thought, how I, where my mind was at and then the body of work, it, my work changed. It changed so right. much that I had to change how I was painting because it was very dark because my mind was very dark because just all we were getting was, <clears throat> and, and yeah. And for me, to be who I am financially, it didn't hurt me at all. We didn't skip a beat, but mentally to realize right. that, man, I'm thank God that I worked this hard, that it doesn't pertain to me. I'm not care right. about all the wipes and the toilet paper. You know, we don't have to worry about that. Mortgage was paid. Everything was, everything was good, but time, you know, it, it was, you know, that, that thing really made you, really reverse engineer yourself and you really had to sit with yourself every day yeah and that shit was really hard for people Mm -hmm. they were like damn i really haven't done shit with my life yeah and that's when and then now they want to have an opinion oh this and this and this and you can't care after the fact yeah you have to care beginning and it has to be it has to be this way forever you have and it's impossible to prepare so if you don't go it's just like the same thing as art i didn't my my goal wasn't to be where I'm at today. That wasn't that wasn't what I was doing. That I was just I had this internal voice that says you have to do this. Not because you want to become this. It was just this is this is the voice that I'm hearing. So I'm gonna to listen to this voice. It wasn't like work really hard so you can become famous and rich. That 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 wasn't that was never the goal. Now I want history. I, I I feel that my movement needs to be cataloged. It needs to be learned. It needs to be researched. It needs to be. You know, I need to bring hard work back. Hard work needs to be brought back to art because there's mm-hmm. a, there's no hard work. Everybody's hiring people to do their work. I'm paying everything myself. I'm putting yeah, out true. hundreds of pieces a month all on my own. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm that's why I'm where I'm at. Not because I paint really cool shit. It's it's you know, you can paint shitty. And if you put in that same amount of time, you get the same result. 
because mm-hmm. people are going to take you serious. If you don't right. take yourself serious, they're not going to take you serious. If you don't invest in yourself, they will not invest in you. That's mm-hmm. just that's just the facts. I have to go pee. Yeah, no worries. I'll be back in two seconds. I'll get back to work. But anybody, you know, you just have to you have to believe in yourself. You know, you have to you have to take pride in it. It takes a lot. It takes more than you can ever imagine. You know, the discipline that you have to have. There's really a lot that goes into why something works and doesn't work. You know, as you can see, I'm working on an unpublished just pictures of my work. And to bring value to the book and to, to, to do brand management, I am embellishing the entire book. So I'm making it valuable with my drawings. You know, pen drawings. I, I want to make sure that, you know, you have to have all these different little nuances to help you. Because when one thing isn't working, another thing's working. If this isn't working, you kind of do this. <clears throat> you always want to push 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 and because if not you catch yourself really unmotivated almost done. I just have to actually do the drawings in the back, which is... Thanks for that. Yeah, no worries. That had to be torture, because I'm pretty sure you had to go for a while, huh? Yeah, a minute. <laughs> I think three minutes, really. Yeah, no, I mean, like I was just saying, that, you know, everything you do, the more little avenues and the more things you kind of push and pull with things... When one thing isn't working, another thing is. Mm-hmm. So you have to have all these. That's business. You know, the more little platforms you have and you create for yourself, when one isn't doing. Yeah, like well, I said, you go to the kitchen, the shirts, and all that kind of thing. Be a Photoshop and your painting, go print it from there, and clothing. Ways to put your art out there. Just more money to exposure. Your speaker is acting a little weird. Sorry? Your speaker is like kind of like in and out a little bit. Sorry, I'm going to have to call the real speaker. I was just saying that. Is it a little better now? Kind of. It's It sounds a little like like distant. Like they're, they're distant. Like it's kind of. I can hear you, it's but it's a little. Uh, you, you sound perfect. I think I'm like. No, no, don't worry. After we push this out, I think this will really help a lot of artists. You know, they they a lot of things they need to hear. You know, that's that's one of the reasons why I go live on Instagram all the time to help. And it's art one hundred and one. You know, I try to help with all uh, tons of information to just inform people. Just to say, you have to. There's certain things you have to do before you can get to the honey pot. You can't just people artists. They already want to go directly to the honey pot, and they're saying, "Man, I see you're doing really well. I want to do just like you." You know, it's just, just 
even when you, when you have that mentality, you've already lost because you're not doing it for the right reason. You can't do it for my result. You can't want to paint because you see me doing well. Because what's going to be devastating is when you start doing it and you don't get the results that I have, you're going to be like, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's with anything. That's with any business. You don't get these things. You know, at the end of the day, if you are wanting to become a professional artist, you've got to become a professional artist. You can't just want to be, oh, I want to be a professional, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, no, it, it's understand what you're signing into. Understand what you're really obligating. You're becoming, a, you have to hold yourself accountable that, that if you're not successful, you are the reason why. Mm-hmm. Not anybody yeah. else. Yeah, taking ownership for it. For sure. And only, yeah. you know, when you start doing good, <clears throat> the result will always fold over itself. Yeah, and you're like, oh man, I sold one. It makes you get this feeling. I tell artists, you have to have that specific feeling when you sell something while you're painting. Not you, not getting that feeling, oh my God, I just sold something. That's great. That feeling right there. You need to hold that while you're painting versus <clears throat> I don't need to have the someone to, to buy it to for me to feel that feeling. I feel that feeling all day long now. So every I feel that bit of gratitude, that 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 enlightened state of, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so grateful. I have that every single day, even when I don't get the result, even when the result is actually flip flop to where I actually lose. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that you have to because th- that stuff will let you get to the next stage because if you let every bad decision destroy you you stay running in a circle mm-hmm. at some point you have to say okay well you know what not people say poor me poor me poor me and then their life gets worse and worse and worse <coughs> they're doing that hold on let me get a drink there you go. <coughs> luckily i have a refrigerator in here Ugh. Oh, so good. Mm. Wow, I keep my refrigerator so cold it's like slush. Yeah, it looks like way too cold. I can't drink the water. Hurts mm. my stomach. That is like so refreshing. But yeah, people need to see this stuff. They they need to understand the, the do's and the don'ts. But even then, mess up. Figure it out. Learn some shit. Most people are afraid to learn. Most people are afraid to change. Practicality has destroyed people. It has. Practicality is the reason that we're in this state right now. Because mm-hmm. they're just doing what needs to be done to get by. Right. You know, and then they, those are the people that are like, oh, I deserve this and I deserve that. You know, and it's like, okay, if you deserve that, you know what the government thinks you're worth? A dollar sixty-two a day. That's that's yeah. how they value your life. $600 stimulus check boils down to the dollar 62 a day that's that and then you're mad i can't believe you're giving me this when you're the effort that you're getting that effort you got that effort so they're saying mm-hmm. the effort that you put in life is worth 600 bucks which boils down to a dollar 62 a day you know if i was that's, if, my before. But that's, yeah. that's it and then when you hear this just sponsor a kid in africa it's only a dollar 62 a day it's like wow because that's what i thought about I was like, damn, you really, really think about it. You're really putting me on a milk box saying that I'm worth a dollar sixty-two a day. And yeah. in hindsight, well, we all know the people are feeding them kids very well for a dollar sixty-two a day. But we don't live there. We're in modern times. We're not a third world country. You know, so it's 
there's a lot of factors that, that really play into why. And the, the only way that an artist will ever meet his full potential and people, they could lie to you and say, yeah, I'm at my full potential. The only way you can reach your full potential is if you do not have to worry about any bill. If you're worrying yeah. about your phone bill, your car bill, you're you're not where you're supposed to be. Right, your mind can't be fully created. That's it. Fully Correct. It can't be hindered by a bill. Yeah. So many people that like they just their whole life they go they go about you know, that money doesn't matter whenever that's what you have to produce every month. And if you just spend a little time figuring out how to get over that month, then the world opens up. It really does. Opportunity is right there. It's it's searching for people. Every time, every time something happens, it's because it was looking for you. But you have got to inspiration only looks for the working. Period. Right. We you all gotta put it out there. Yeah, you have to. The universe has fire for you. Right. It's not just gonna. It can fall in your lap, but <clears throat> those are those instances where, okay, cool. You know, and I say this all the time when I'm on stage when I talk about my artwork. Anybody could be a champion for a day. You know. Right. Any, any, Showing up every day. Anybody could. You know, but who's the one that's really gonna be the champion? Are you gonna? really fight back and say, I'm not giving up my title. And, you know, people think that, oh, I'm on the way to the top and the only way up is down. That's not true. There's people that Picasso stayed on top forever. He never even came down from the top. He's right. still to this day on the yeah. top. So people say, oh, you know, the only way, once you get up, you know, you're going to go down. Nah, not necessarily. That's a, that's a mindset. And that's, that's exactly where society has indoctrined into us. And then now, Watching the social dilemma, total mind fuck, like total. total I still haven't seen it. That thing will change your life. It'll change your life. It's almost like interpreting that you are literally not making your own decisions. Like That's everything is dictated for you, whether whether you know it or not. That the as much data as they have on you, they know you better than you. So they'll put in front of you. When you're in a bad mood, <clears throat> for some odd reason, you'll look at your phone and something will uplift you. And people, it's almost like a virtual slot machine that if I look at my phone, something good might be there. That's scary. And they did that intentionally. So they got, like I say, they got to the psyche of people to, to say that, you know, we don't need them to buy anything. We need to buy their attention. So that's technically what they're doing. They want you to scroll through your phone all day long to see the ads that they're paying millions of dollars a day to put in front of you. That's why people say, I'm not getting any views on my Instagram and my Facebook. Everything's like dead. Yeah, because you're competing with people that are companies, these huge conglomerates that are spending millions and millions of dollars a day right. to put their product in front of your ass, not the other way mm -hmm. around. So because if you had a million dollars a day, you would be just as massive as them. So they have everything at their disposal. You have nothing at your disposal. You're filtering through something that is denser than, oh my God, than a, than a neutron star. It's just, you're not going to penetrate what they have. They made it specifically for that. So imagine, so, okay, so I can't go through it. I'll go around it and I'll do what I can do. So, okay, you take their same theory because what they're doing is easy to learn. So you take that same theory and then you just apply it to business and you do that same theory and you do it and you apply it to art. So you're already creating two juggernauts of something. I'm going to create my own goddamn path. And then by my, me creating my own damn path, I'm going to create my own success. So that's that's the way that art is not dictated. So no one, I mean, someone can, you know, they can insinuate, hey, you should paint this. But no one really could tell you how to paint, 
you know, they, they can't really force your hand at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you're really at the whim of yourself of how far do you want to get? You will let you know with your results. If you are 40 years old and you ain't shit, okay, then that's you haven't given enough in life to fight back to say that I'm going to conquer this and I'm going to conquer. Most people are like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't want to change. I don't want to do this. They'll live their life. This is how this, unfortunately, this is how life is. Somebody will live with a problem for 50 years instead of addressing it the first day. Right. And that's, that's life right now. So, the, so when you, when you take that number and you multiply it by people, so that means everybody yeah. that you're coming in con- into contact with. And so when you start to talk to these people, you start to either they rub off on you or you rub off on them. Yeah. It's one of the, so, so that should tell you, it's like, you know, you want to be, you want to be a millionaire. Okay. Hang around five of them. You'll become the sixth. If you hang around five idiots, you're the sixth. People have to hold themselves accountable to say that, damn, maybe the people that I'm, I'm around, they're not bad people, but they're bad for me and they're bad for my life. Right. My goals. You know, and that's just, that's just, unfortunately, that's how it is. That's why I don't have, my circle is it's almost, there is next to nothing. You know, I've got a lot of associates. I got a lot of people that I'm very cool with that, that I'll say, yeah, you are my brother. Like, yeah, that's what's up. But at the end of the day, I got to make sure that we all keep distance from each other. You know, I'm, you call me. Yep. I will answer the phone, but it doesn't mean I want to hang out, you know, because you, unless, unless it is that, but if I'm hanging out, then I'm not working. <clears throat> I structured opportunity like this. The more that I sit in front of my easel, the more that I sit in front of a painting, the more that I'm generating opportunity. You know, people say, well, I got to go out and I got to go network. Okay. Nine times out of 10, whatever you network, it usually filters out to nothing. In the beginning, right. it's like this divine, like, oh, shit, we're going to do this. We're going to blow up and blah, 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 blah. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't pan out. You know, and it goes from this one big thing and then something happens and then it falls flat. Imagine if you generate the opportunity. So if you continue to do that same thing where if I had that feeling, oh, my God, I sold, have that same emphasis on when you're in front of that canvas and you do that day in and day out. Trust me, your phone will ring. Your emails will go off. Your DMs will go off. And they're like, dude, I see how focused you are. I think I want to buy into your movement. And that's how shit starts. They have to see you doing it. If, if you're posting you going out at night and then two paintings and you going out, they're going to know that you want like to have fun. You've got to post. When you look on my Instagram, I don't post my kids. I don't post my wife. I post work. That is mm-hmm. it. That, that's solely it. So when you scroll down my feed, all you do is see work and you're like, God damn, I have literally had, you could go all the way down six years and you see people that they'll leave on a comment. God damn, I can't believe I went all the way back to your first page and all you had was work. Two, 2,300 posts of work in six that's years. Amazing. There's the result right there. There's your result. And you scroll to the top in front of uh, the cameras. So it's, it's, it's most of the time people already know the answer. Yep. They already know 100%. the answer. They just don't want to hear what you're going to yeah. say. Yeah. You know? I was a nutrition major in college and that's why I didn't want to get into nutrition as a career. I'm like, dude, everybody knows you eat vegetables. No one just wants to do it. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. It is. It is quite simple, but it's very complex because with that one simple, it spiders out to a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you think about this far, it this far goes to this 
in this bubble goes to this bubble, which goes to this bubble. So your initial reaction to something is completely far-fetched of, of what it really is. So when I said I was going to be successful, I didn't even have a point of reference to say what success was. What was success? I told myself every day, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be successful. And then when success came to the door, I'm like, oh, my God, it's 10 times harder than I thought it was. Because I didn't have a point of reference to say. So either it's one of two. You get the red pill or the blue pill. You go down the rabbit hole and continue to work. Or you follow the matrix. And you buy into you buy into the you need this. You need this. You have to have this to be happy. And, and if you have this placebo, then this placebo works. And then if you have this, instead of just taking the time and working on yourself and making it happen versus taking that pill and saying that by me taking this pill, this is going to make me feel better. So they're right. already searching for this. I have to do this to get to this. I have to do this. I need something to get me to get to this. I need something to get me to this. Versus you are, they forget that they are the thing. You become the thing. Once you become the thing, then everybody starts reaching out for you. Then you become the thing to where every when you were reaching for something, they're reaching for you. Oh, I need this right. because of this. Or I need this because of this. That's what Amazon has done. That's what he has done. He has made something that wasn't right in front of you. And he says, here, I'll put it right in front of you. All you got to do is click the button. Yeah, but you want it. Yeah. And then what the, the, do people buy, 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 buy. Yeah. But if you don't have a point of reference on how to put this in front of somebody, you'll never yeah. make money. Right. So most people are like, I got this idea, but but I could, but nah, but nah, but they'll never go like, here, you want to buy this? They never do the yeah, actual just, simple yeah. part of it. They're thinking of, mm-hmm. well, if I paint this, this elaborate thing, and then they, they never they never think of the, hey, man, click on the buy me. They, they never right. think that because it is that simple. But, Straightforward. But remember, this creates this bubble, which creates this bubble, which creates this bubble. <clears throat> all the answers that you wanted to get to this, it takes a lot of all these little bubbles to get to, hey, man, click on the which button. Is, which is going back to the volume. You guys spend a lot of time in that bubble as a whole. And you can you have time to explore different avenues and you can kind of map it out, but you gotta spend time on that. On something like specific. The more specific it is, the more, you know, the more it's, you're gonna render the result. So if you're doing seven things, but if you're giving all of them ten percent, you're gonna render ten percent. Now, if you have that one thing and you're giving two hundred percent, yeah, you're gonna get that. You're gonna get it back. And it's not gonna be the way you want. It's never gonna be the way you want. Never. People say, I want it to be like this. I wish I could just have this. And then you have that, then that changes. Then you say, I want this, then that changes. Everything is always going to be an evolution. And if it's not, you stand still. Because evolution does that. The moment, it's it's almost like I was talking to another artist yesterday, or maybe it might have been even today. Um, you know, it's hard to outdo yourself when you're doing really well. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I do, if, I, if my last painting was an amazing, how can I outdo that again? You know, how can... How can I keep outdoing myself? That's 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 a that's a task that very few can take because when you don't outdo it, you know, in social media, there's your disclaimer right there. They're gonna see it and they're gonna be like, first first you painted something and it got five thousand likes, and then you paint something else and it gets two hundred. So you're like, oh shit, you know, does it suck? No, it doesn't suck. It just means that only two hundred people liked it. If one person mm-hmm. likes it, you know, people forget that it's not five hundred people buying the one piece of artwork. It's the one person. I would much rather have 10 people walk through and I sell to five than to have 500 people and nobody buys right. anything. You know, this, this is all those parts of business where it took me to be intuitive to understand that people are like, oh my God, we were so busy. Yeah, but you didn't sell anything. So technically it was like nobody showed up. 
Right. I would much rather have five people and I sell to one or 10 people and I sell to five. You know, that I, that's that's where it counts because that's where you're going to make the that's where change happens. You know, and I, and I realized that with Art Basel that all it is is one huge party. You know, people are like, oh, man, Art Basel, Art Basel. These people, all they're doing is posting a picture up oh, on Art Basel. You didn't buy shit. That, that is the Super Bowl of artwork. That's what you guys, people go there to travel to, to spend money on art. We have to buy into this. It's not like they're like, here, man, here's this free spot. If you don't sell nothing, oh, you know, you didn't pay for it anyway. Well, no, I'm $20,000 into it and I don't sell anything. So I'm negative 20,000. Like that's, right. that's, that's, and people never take that into consideration, you know, and that's, that's part of business. You're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Sometimes you're right. going to profit and sometimes you won't. The harder you work, the less you lose. Mm-hmm. So even you, you work so much. Right, right. And plus the market is funky. Like it, art is this. You know, sometimes it does great. Me, it's feast or famine. I'll sell 20 pieces in one week and I'll go three months without selling nothing. Luckily, I've got the gallery to where we're on a tour I've been touring, other than the COVID stuff, we've been touring the world for the last three years. You know, my work has taken me to Australia, New Zealand, um, all, all of the Caribbean, Belize, Honduras. I mean, we did a show in Honduras. I did a show in um, Nova Scotia. Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, who takes you to Nova Scotia? Like, but then that's, that's how you become where world renowned because you're going to places that are very uncommon and you're putting up footprint and saying here yes i was here when you go to these rural places you're so even if you're not power they perceive you as this huge thing so mm-hmm. their 500 people reaches i mean millions of people because right. they're gonna be like, oh my god i met this artist and he's great and then even if you're not that great they give you that perceived power which which and t- in turn it becomes the actual power so it's and this is where artists this is where the ABCs come into play again. You gotta do the steps. Build up your fan base, build your catalog, build your voice, then expose yourself. People are ready to ready to expose themselves without nothing to expose. Right. They look like an artist. Okay, so cool. You're dressing with the beanie and the yeah, you have your hair out and you're tossing your hair and yeah, you look cool, but how far is that gonna get you? Show me right. the body of work. And then at the right. end of the day, who's the guy standing next to you? He looks like a bum, but he's making a million dollars and his paintings are the creme de la creme. And right. you know, so it's, it's, you know, never buy into the hype too. You know, we're just people, you know, the, the gallery and all this touring, you know, does build you up to be like this. Wow. Like, you know, people really hold you at this pedestal, but I'm just a regular person like everybody else, you know, like. Just for more work. Yeah. You can never believe the hype. No, don't believe that. You could be cool, but you, you're not. And I tell everybody, all the celebrities, all the money, until you walk on water, unfortunately, you're just like everybody else. Yeah. Well, we think that you're the hype. We think that you're a badass artist. And I think that you're going to I appreciate it, man. Really what you say, because you're working with that. That's the thing that keeps you that a lot, man. For sure. Yeah. I really appreciate your time on the podcast. I think this is going to help from the artist. I definitely navigate the next step of career. Uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, you can reach me up on my social media. Um, I mean, this is the book, like I was showing it earlier. This is a book that I'm working on, is I Am Create. If you just put in that in, the, in the, any kind of Google, my name will pop up over and over. But this is a book of, these are the things where I say, you know, we make our own rules. This isn't even a published book. You can go do it yourself on Google Photos. This one has 86 pages. It's roughly, it was $66. And because I'm drawing and embellishing them, 
I'm selling them for 500. There's no rules to this, guys. You do what you want. You build the value. I give the drawings. I make sure I embellish everything. You know, 80% of the book is embellished. I put drawings in there. This one is, I'm still working on it, but I, I mean, I might have one that's kind of finished. I'm actually boxing up. See, I'll give you a drawing. That's awesome. You know, I want people to get that value to where you're not, you know, do you, you know, if you're spending the 500 that I'm really giving you a $500 book because it's not published. So I do put a handful of, of drawings in there, you know, because I want it to, you, you have to build that value and not everybody, right. not everybody can afford a $10,000 painting. So a $500 book works out perfect, but you can reach, reach me on this right here. This is one of my stickers. This is my handle for my Instagram. It's at create artifacts. K-R-E-8-A-R-T-A-F-A-X. That is my handle. That is my social media. You can check me out. This is some of my work. You know, it's, and it is a pleasure. You know, spread the word. Absolutely. It matters. Have your own book? Yes, I do have my own. It's, it's uh, www.createartifacts.com. Awesome. We'll put all those in the show notes. Cool. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back uh, in a few months. Cool, man. Awesome. All right, Kevin, I really appreciate it. No, it's not a problem, brother. Awesome. Take care. You too.